My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and we're continuing on in Acts. We're going to be in Acts 7, no, not 17. We're going to be in Acts 19 here in just a minute. Uh, And definitely a section of Scripture that I've never preached on, and something that when I was looking through this week of what I felt like, you know, God wanted me to share, um, this kind of (laughs) stuck out to me at the beginning of the week. Uh, and then as I started working on it, I'm like, oh, seriously? Um, so we're going to talk about some itinerant Jewish exorcist, exorcist today. So just in case you're looking forward to some good conversation, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to be weird. You know, there's all, it's always a good Bible story when people um, go in. No, I'm not even going to say that. That's going to be. <laughs> that was almost the most awkward comment ever. And the Holy Spirit just said no. So, no. Um, so today we're going to talk about real and fake. Um, you know, in our world, there's lots of real and fake things. There's lots of things that we look at and we go, you know, some things real or fake, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if that's real or fake, you know, like you're all, you know, well, that's great. I don't really need it to be the real thing. But some things matter, um, like a, a diamond. Uh, if you buy a diamond thinking it's a diamond and paying the diamond prices, uh, you would want to know if it's real or fake. And so I was looking at ways that, and there's like 12 different ways that you can test a diamond, and some of them are kind of cool. And one of them, uh, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend any of these with your own diamonds. Don't, don't do this. Uh, but one way that you can test a diamond, whether it's real or fake, is that you can put it for 30 seconds under a flame. And then right after that 30 seconds, you can throw it in ice cold water. And if it's a diamond, nothing will happen to it. And if it's not a diamond, it'll crack. Because the intense heat to intense cold, uh, most other things that they use to make fake diamonds out of cannot take that temperature change. But uh, a real diamond can. And so today, we're going to talk about in a weird way, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, in a weird way, the difference between our ability... Uh, in normal life and in a life that has pressure to maintain or to, to, to realize what's real or fake in our faith. And so the question this morning is, when life is easy, we can fake our way through faith. I mean, anybody can say praise the Lord when you've got money in your bank account and you're, you know, you know, you have a house and you have a car and you have a job and, and your spouse relatively likes you. You can go, man, God is good. And you can post things online like be chipper. It is completely different when life gets hard and overwhelming and difficult. It's no longer possible for us to just say, praise the Lord. I mean, have you ever been around the people? Like, you can tell, and I think Acts is one of those books that you tell between real and fake because you see people who are demonstrating authentic faith through trials and tribulations, getting beaten and stoned and thrown in jail and, you know, literally murdered as far as Stephen goes. And you see them all through those, even, I mean, Stephen, prime example, not in my notes, even in the middle of that, Stephen, while he's getting stoned, is like, forgive them. I don't 
want to test myself on that one because I don't want to get stoned. But can you imagine the amount of authentic trust and relying on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in the middle of being murdered to ask your Heavenly Father to forgive them for what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue our journey through Acts, looking at Acts 19, verse 11 through 20, um, about some itinerant Jewish exorcists. Uh, exorcists are ones that remove, you know, for those that grew up, I mean, I guess today they have all kinds of exorcist movies where they remove the devil from people. So this is what we're going to talk about today at church. So if you take nothing else out, when you get home and someone asks you about church, be like, yeah, we talked about exorcism. I mean, it'll start a good conversation. I mean, it'll get them hooked. They'll be like, oh, really? Like, did you see one? So what's going on? So uh, God was interested, and you see this all through Acts, because Acts is the birth and witness of what the church became. So there, there was no church. Jesus did his ministry. He went to the grave and went to the tomb and went to the cross, went to the tomb, came out of the grave, just like he said he is. And he met with his disciples, began a church, his church, the kingdom that is still going on today. And through all of that, they're building what is real and authentic and true. And when those things happen, the church grows. And it grows in a healthy way, not just growth. I think some growth isn't always healthy. That's a whole other story. Um, God was growing his church, building his kingdom. But this was not happening without conflict or trouble. I think sometimes we think, you know, like if we're for God and God is for us, then it is going to be a conflict-free zone that we're just going to move in and everything's going to be great. And if God calls you to it, he's going to pave the road. And let me just tell you, um, you know, not even our own life, but in Acts. It was God's church. Like I can say, like, this is God's church, but, you know... I hope it is, and I hope I've done all the things that God's called me to do. But we can say without a doubt that the church of Acts, the one that it's being, the one that's being established through the book of Acts was God's church, period. And God was interested in it being successful. And one of the best ways for it being successful is he brought persecution. Or persecution came and it scattered the church, and the church grew um, out of that persecution. See... <clears throat> The other forces, and this is what we're up against now today, uh, the other forces that had had access to the kingdom that God was retaking weren't just going to easily just say, okay, yeah, yeah, God's here, we're just going to let it go. Uh, Same thing in our lives. Uh, Even though God begins to transform us, I don't think we willingly go, man, I just want to, you know, do all the things that God is. So if you look back to Romans, we're... Paul was struggling internally, wanting to do the right things, but not doing those things. You know, it is a war inside of us to be what God's called us to be. And so what's going on to this day is the church has been growing. It's been seeing some success. And what we're going to read in the first verse is seeing the power and authority that came in and through the obedience of Paul specifically in this. So let's let's pick up in verse 11. 
In verse 11, it says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. I can't remember timeline if this happened before or after, but one of those extraordinary miracles is that Paul started preaching one late afternoon or night, and he just preached into the late wee hours of the morning. And some kid was listening to Paul, and like most preachers, you know, some people fall asleep. And he fell out of the window and died. And Paul stopped his preaching for a minute, went downstairs, <laughs> prayed over and brought him back upstairs, and he continued preaching. I mean, this is Paul. I mean, Paul, like somebody falling out of the window and dying is not going to stop the proclamation of the Word of God. And he kept on. And so extraordinary miracles were happening by the hands of Paul. In verse 12, so that even, this is crazy, that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their disease left them and the evil spirits came out of them. And really, you could look at this because 13 is where we're really starting, but I don't think you, this is the difference between real and fake. When you look at 13 and 12, you see what God has the possibility of doing through people that are surrendered and committed to Him. That even, and I'm not putting power in things. So like, don't be like, this person looks really faithful. Let me take this handkerchief and rub it on them. And then we're just going to use it later. And then we're going to sell prayer shawls uh, on reaches online to make money. No, that, that's, not necess- that's not what we're talking about here. But there is something that's happening in and through Paul who is surrendered to the Savior. <clears throat> See, the, pos- the apostles were the real deal. They weren't in it for fame or glory or money. You can tell by just reading the story that that wasn't their heart. <clears throat> and three verses, three chapters or four chapters later, earlier in this, in chapter 14, Paul um, was sharing the gospel. And they stoned him to what they thought was death. And they drug him out of the city and the other disciples ran up and prayed over Paul and I don't think he was dead, but he was like, he was down for the count. And he got up and he went back into the town and preached. There's nothing that stops Paul. Like, I, w- I would love to say I have the faith of Paul. But, like, I'm not sure I'd go back somewhere that they stoned me. Just saying. I need more faith. And so this is, this is a, to, to give you a picture of everything else we're going to talk about, we've got to kind of see the possibility of what it looks like to be surrendered completely to God. In verse 13, this is when it gets a little crazy. I mean, you have to understand the buzz that's going around, the, the miracles that are being witnessed by this, because you don't have 13 without 12, 11 and 12. You don't have people doing what are getting ready to be done through the Scripture if they're not seeing the fruitfulness of, of the faithful of his disciples. And so in verse 13 it says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. It's a mouthful. Could you imagine that on your card? Hey, what do you do? Itinerant Jewish exorcists. <clears throat> they undertook... 
to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, and you know you're having a bad day when this is your talk to the devil. I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. He's not even making a tie to himself. He's just like, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. It's crazy. They were manipulating the superstitions of the people to make money. They were using the Holy Spirit, or trying to use the Holy Spirit, for their own gain. And we see early on, uh, and I can't remember what chapter, I think I've got it in my notes later, but uh, Simon the Magician. There was another who, he really, I think in his face, like I think he had some authentic movement towards God, like seeing the power and he, he, he wanted to, to, to become that, but then he tries to buy the baptism of the Holy Spirit so he can take that out and then he can, you know, give it out. He could use it because that's what he had done in his Magician's life. He had used the superstition, used power, other powers to manipulate the system. And I, I would say this probably wasn't the first time. They probably, you know, maybe were mildly successful with this on, on, on lesser demons. I don't know that. That's speculation on my part. So don't write that down and claim it as the truth. But there are other people, so you see in the Gospels, not only in Acts, that people had done this. There was, um, I think Luke uh, 9.49 talked about the others casting out demons. The disciples are saying, hey, there's other people that aren't of us that are doing this. And Jesus tells them, if they're not against us, they're for us. Kind of like, hey, you know, if it's working, let it be. And then in Matthew 7.22, it says, And this is a conversation that we've talked about a little bit. It says, on that day, many will say to me, and this is talking about uh, on the day that the Lord returns, on the day they stand before the judgment seat, on the day they many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast demons out in your name and do many mighty works in your name? In verse 23, it says, then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lawlessness. There are people that were using this for their purpose. See, I think this is the, the danger of us as a church is that there are real and fake. There are, I think, probably if we knew the people that Jesus is referring to in Matthew 7.22, we would probably think really highly of them. Look at all these things that they've done. Look at the miracles that they've done and the demons that they've cast out. Man, these people are awesome, but they had missed the one thing, the connection to Jesus. In verse 14, it says, The seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. So this is probably something not just these seven sons were doing, but other people were doing, as we saw in some of the other Gospels. And there's speculation in reading um, commentaries that most likely um, they weren't the sons of a high priest. They probably used that as a platform to get credit. Uh, because there's, there's no record of um, a high priest that's named Sceva, and they were probably just using that as, as a way in. And if they weren't using that as a way in, they definitely weren't making Daddy proud. I mean, here's a people that 
by their lineage, their servants, their, they serve as priests. And it, and it goes down the family line. And can you imagine having seven sons who are not participating in the things that their lineage requires? They, they are not in the priesthood. They're, they're going around being itinerant Jewish exorcists. In verse 15. And so they just proclaim to the Spirit. By Jesus whom Paul preaches. And this becomes the beginning of their bad day. And you'll, I'll, I'll walk you through what I was thinking about a minute ago. It says, but the evil spirit answered them. Beginning of a bad day. Jesus I know. And Paul I recognize. But who are you? Jesus, I know, Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And they probably have had some measure of success in this, you know, their exorcism game until they met this evil spirit. But who are you? In verse 16, and the man in whom the evil spirit, who was the evil spirit, leapt on them. Like, I can't make this stuff up. Mastered all of them and overpowered them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. It just got real. One man mastered all seven of these brothers. So much so that they left naked. You know it's a bad fight. When you start it clothed and you leave it naked. I mean, it's a, like, I don't, I've not seen a whole lot of fights, but most of them, you end up with your clothes on. But to go in there and be like, there's seven of them. I'm sure they were cocky and arrogant, like, we've done this. Mm. Like, there's seven of us. And this one man, and let me just tell you, like, and I, 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 I'm joking at this, but the, the enemy has power. Little power compared to the power our God has, but power enough to this one person mastered. And I don't know how, I mean, I know they don't wear clothes like we did. It'd be a little harder for us to leave a fight naked. I mean, because they've got like, like, you know, just like gravity just pulls off because those disciples, when they were running off, one of them ended up naked. That's kind of a theme. Uh, it's, just, it's just never good when you end up naked in a story, Period. And so he mastered all of them. They leave. And look look what happens. In verse 17, And this became known to all the residents of uh, Ephesus, uh, Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And the fear fell upon all of them. And the name of the Lord was extolled. So here's what happened. So the fake people were trying to do in their mind something good. And they're using the name of Jesus went really poorly on them. So much that they, you know, got beat up and left the fight naked. And what happened from this is that people started going, whoa. Like, there's something about this name, so much so that not just the Jews or the Greeks, the whole town is hearing about this, and fear fell on them. And the name of Jesus was probably not used and manipulated like it was before, because 
They thought they had a power source, not in a person, but in a, an enchantment, like a, a name. Like this name was something that had power in it. The name has power in its connection to the person, but they were using it like abracadabra. Like, here's, here's, a, here's a phrase. In verse 18, also many of those who were now believers came, and look what happened came confessing and indulging their practices. Let me just tell you. Like, I think this is talking about a people living in a divided world. Because you're, you're in a pagan culture. They entered into, this isn't just Jews, these are people that have lived in another world, worshipped other gods, um, paid homage to other gods, had, and you'll see in just a second, had had spell books. They had things that were that they thought they could get power from. And I, I guarantee you they were living in, in, in a little bit of both worlds. They were seeing the reality of the power of Jesus, but they're still stuck in this other place because they're like, we've been here so long. We've been, it's like we talked last week with Peter. It's so long. It would just been like, or is this really going to go into the Gentile world? And they were stuck in this one place. And after this, I think it allowed them to realize that we cannot exist in both places. I cannot have one foot over here still trusting in my rabbit's foot. Still knocking on wood. Which, you know, there are all these harmless things that we think, you know, they're, you're, you're asking... I hope I don't ruin... Well, maybe I hope... I pray that I ruin somebody. Knocking on wood is paying homage to a wood god. You're, 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 you're going, hey, I, I, need, I need help. Here, here's where my help comes from. I don't, I don't know about you, my, um, there, there was, used to be this old thing, like if a black, black, black cat ran across your car, something you'd do to your window and something you'd say... Oh. I'm not judging any of you guys that did that. But it's all this thing that we're like, we're, we're, we're doing this thing so that it'll save us from something. And we're looking for another source of power to free us when Jesus has said from the beginning that I, I will be your only God. What's the one command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he's telling us we cannot live over here. So people saw this, that they cannot just go, they can't have both. And so those people that were even living, I believe, in faith to Jesus, but they're still stuck in this other place, they're coming forward, confessing and divulging their practices. They're saying, this is what I did, and I, I, want, to, I want to go away from it. Look, look what happens in verse 19. And a number of these who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it was 50,000 pieces of silver. One thing that I found says that was 135 years of day labor wages. A lot of money. A lot of money. They, they, and this was, this was something that they used prior to Jesus for power. Little things that they would say about their day or their crops or their marriages or their barrenness. They would, they would go to this little book and they would expect this book to give them power and see what's happening when there's real versus fake. When the fake is seen for what it is, the real has an opportunity 
to bring people into a place of truth. They literally were, they were confessing and divulging. They were like, this is, this is it. I mean, that, that's the entry into the kingdom is our confessing of who we were. God, this is who I was, and this is why I needed you. And I need you to save me because of this. It's this confession. It's not hiding. I think sometimes we, we want to keep a little bit of our old self just, just in case. See, the, wor- the words were followed by action. They weren't just like, you know, blessed be the Lord. They weren't just like a, a phrase that you would just say or that we post on Facebook. There was something that followed it. They didn't just talk about their convictions. They acted on them. And look in verse 20. It says, And the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is what we're doing. The reason why we have church, the reason why we read the Scriptures, the reason why we talk about the Scriptures is because our source of power, and I don't, need, I don't mean power that we can manipulate, power that we can steal for ourselves. I'm talking about the, the source of power that God gives us to walk in freedom and to see His kingdom come. It comes from this one place. And I truly believe you will spend the majority of your life fixating yourself if you're moving in that progression of surrendering constantly to Jesus, of going, I trust your power more than another. Now, we don't, we, I don't know if you do, but we probably don't have spell books at home that we need to burn. Maybe. If you do, you should burn those. But there's probably other things in your life that you need to remove from your life that are robbing you from trusting in Jesus. Because you're, you're waiting to them. You know, I, I hate to throw this out, you know, like, but if you're looking up your horoscope during the week, where do you think they get that stuff from? Like, we're, oh, 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 let's see what my sign is going to tell me what my day is going to look like. Instead of... I'm a child of God that's been purchased by a price and I'm a treasure in his eyes and everything that is going on in my life, he's doing for a purpose. I wish there was a follow-up to the story and those seven sons realized their mistake. Maybe they did. And chose to worship the real king. So here, here's where I want to close and I'm going to um, spend a little bit of time talking in Matthew seven twenty four through 27, which I think ties this back in. So here, here's the question. And, and, and I feel like I'm putting tension, but I feel like tension is good if the tension moves you to, to really think about what's going on. So is your faith real or fake? Are, 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 you, are you planning yourself in to the truth of God and saying, I'm his child always. And that doesn't mean like if it's real, then everything's hunky-dory and that you never struggle and you never, you know, feel bad about things like, oh, you know, you never question. I'm just saying, are you anchoring yourself in the reality of who Jesus is? And here, here's the reason why that we need to think about this. Because there's a danger of being like the the people that we saw in 
the other section of Matthew 7 where they're like, you know, Lord, we did all these things. There's a danger that, that we'll do all of these things, that we will pretend good enough and get to the end, face our master creator and realize that we've worshipped the wrong God. We'll realize that we've, we've not put our faith and trust in Jesus, but we've used him as a, a rabbit's foot. Matthew seven twenty four through 27. It says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, on the truth. And the rain fell and the floods came. And notice in both of these little parables, the rains came. The floods came. It it, it comes. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Founded on the truth. In verse 26, it says, And everyone who hears hears these words of mine and does not put them, does not do them, will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the Rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and the destruction and great was the fall of it. One way or another, the truth about our faith, and I I hate sometimes that it feels like I'm, I'm just talking about you guys. The truth, one way or the other, about our faith will be known. Now or later. Tested and approved. There, there's other, I think in, in, in Ephesians it talks about that. That like greater value than gold, our faith is tested and approved. I want us to constantly be in a place of going I want to trust you. Am, am I trusting you today? Am I looking for you for strength? Because I, I'm afraid that we, not exactly like the Jewish exorcist, we will use Jesus to our benefit. Socially, culturally. But we'll miss Jesus. We'll, 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 we'll try to manipulate the system so that we can get the, the stuff that we want right now instead of trusting in the person of Jesus. Because the rains will come, the floods will come, the winds will blow and beat against our house. It, we will be tested. And if we, like Matthew 7 says, have built our house on the rock, when the, wa- the winds and the waves come, we'll still be there. That's my heart for this church. The reason why I try to preach out of sections of Scripture is because I want us to understand that God did not just put this here so that we can have something else that we need to do in our day, but He gave us this so that we could have life and life abundantly. And if we're, if we're in His Word, fixated on Him, just like we talked about last week, 
Peter was just on top of the roof doing what he did, connecting with a God that he loved. And God opened up a new avenue of the church to the Gentiles through a normal prayer time. Our connection to God is what changes us so that we can change our world around us. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And what I'd like for us to do as we worship, as we close out the service, is ask yourself, where is your faith? Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you allowing God to be what He's always desired to be, which is your cornerstone, the the thing that you put your life in and on. And honestly, we've got got to, on a regular basis, measure that in us. I think we're a people that loves to, 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 to just mosey over just a little bit over to the side and it, we're people that constantly need to be recentered. And I think one of the reasons why they met house to house and they met in the synagogues is that we are people that need to be pointed back constantly to a loving Savior. And so this morning as we close in worship, that's what I want us to do is to, to confirm that connection. And that may mean literally you just going, God, thank you. I mean, some of these songs that we sing are just awesome for just going, yes. Thank you that you are that, that I have access to you through this. And it may be in this last song that you're just going, God, I am, I'm grateful that you continue to use me. I'm grateful that you continue to give me mercy and show your love to me. And this morning, your, your time may be just like, God, I need you. I, I love the honesty of Psalms. I love the honesty because I think sometimes we're afraid to tell God what he already knows that is going on inside of us. We won't use the words instead of just going, God, I'm lost. I'm de- I mean, David was not afraid to tell everybody that his day was sucky and that God has left him. How long will he be gone? And I love almost all of his end with this, but I, I choose to trust you. Like, start there. I'm just going, God, I, I don't know what's going on, but I need you. And, and just ask. See, this is, this is the opportunity that we get through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that's in this room right now. We get access to conversate with the Father. And the Son right now is sitting beside the Father interceding for His children. He knows what we need. He knows what's going on. And He's just waiting for us to go, I surrender. I need you. So let's pray. Dearly Father, um, I just ask right now. Lord, I, 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 buy, like I speak Romans 8.1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If, if, if your children in this room, Lord, I, I, I rebuke the condemnation that would love to come over them and, and rob them of their faith finger-pointing on things in their life, Lord, I pray that you would allow in them a, a holy surrender. Lord, you said that your Holy Spirit is the, the seal of our inheritance. And for, for those that that is so, Lord, I pray right now that you would give peace and confidence in 
your sacrifice. And Lord, for those in this room that are are struggling, Lord, I pray that the mercies of God would be new today. Lord, that the, the fear that we experience for understanding who you really are would drive us to the mercy of you, not away from. And so, Lord, I pray that our, our faith would be shown to be of greater value than gold. And, Lord, I thank you for the kingdom expansion, for the kingdom building that you will do through us who surrender to you. So, Lord, I pray that you open our eyes to see you for who you are, the power that you offer us as your sons and daughters that you free, freely give to us. And Lord, as we worship you, Lord, I pray that you would be honored and lifted high. In Jesus' name, amen.